0: Okay, now now this podcast is recording. This is, I'm going to call this maybe take five. <laughs> I've gone, I feel very hot. We've just had a lovely chat um, we'll without we'll record. recording. So that, yeah, that's the warm up. We said <laughs> some really great things. Which, which we're not going to be We're never going to be able to repeat. Um, yeah, I'm a, I'm a professional. Hello. I feel it. I feel Welcome it. to Bonnets at Dawn. This is how we roll. Good. Luckily, we it's established good. whether or not we swear off air. Okay. So, it's good. it's yeah. good. Now I
1: know. Oh, it's better than t- oh, God, TV. Well, they just make you say, you know, you've said something, and then they're like, actually, there was like a a plane five miles away. Could you just say all of that again? I'm like, no, I can't. I can't remember. Yeah, that's what actually I said. what
0: happened today. It was there. The plane happened. <laughs> I've got an excellent memory. So, um Helen, if you could just repeat exactly all of the great things uh, you talked about. Word word, what I, word for I said word.
1: Um, uh where were we
0: (laughs) okay everybody i'm with and have been with for a little while now (laughs) helena kelly who wrote i've forgotten its name it's right look it's right hold it up okay so helena kelly wrote jane austen the secret radical there we go which you might remember from i want to say december two years ago december 2018 i was reading it on our trip to bronte territory and i was flying the team Austin flag. And I kept Obviously. reading it and bringing it up in every episode and talking to Lauren about it. I really hate Emily Bronte, by the way. <laughs> that, that's gonna pick that up.
1: <laughs> Just, yeah. And then there's like, Emily Bronte. Yeah, I really hate Wuthering Heights. I've never managed to get through it. I've never read it. I still haven't read it. love doing it love Charlotte. Anne's okay. Emily. What? <laughs> Anne. That's all right.
0: Just You're telling me that great. <laughs> I wish you could see the nod the nod that just happened <laughs> this isn't, you know what, this isn't what we're here for but we'll have to do like an arm wrestle afterwards just
1: to clear up Charlotte I really? like Charlotte, I like Charlotte but no I can't, we're, we're, we're agreed on not liking it Watering Heights though Like yeah I like it in the sense that overrated.
0: dog killing applesauce is about the extent of my knowledge, right, and a Kate Bush song, I mean I'd
1: like, probably have less
0: knowledge than the that. Cliff Richard song uh, from, like, the musical where he plays Heathcliff. It's,
1: wow, that must have
0: been special. Uh, it is it is very special. I'd really recommend you listening to it immediately. <laughs> Lauren played it to me, and I was like, I think I like this. <laughs> I really like it. Um, yeah, well, nice, that's the thing.
2: Hello, and welcome to Bonnets of Dawn, the podcast that explores the lives and works of 18th, 19th, and 20th century women writers. I am your host, Lauren Burke. And I am your host, Hannah Chapman. And you have made it to the first of our Mansfield Park read-along episodes.
0: You have? We're not reading along this episode,
2: though. No, we're not. We are doing an interview this episode. And um, yeah, let's just jump right into it, actually. Yeah, I think so. Dive in. Yeah.
0: Helena. Yes. Who the heck are you? <laughs> Tell us. Introduce yourself to the people um, again.
1: I am. Uh, my name is Helena Kelly. Um, I am I'm a big Austin fan. Um, less less so with Emily Bronte, as, we, as we've just established. Um, and I'm a kind of uh, part time academic. So I. Are we recording this time? Yeah, we are. Sorry, also, I'm just very um, scared. It's going to. So um, I sometimes teach uh, university students, but kind of you know dip in and out a little bit um and in the intervals of dipping in and out um i wrote a few years ago a book on jane austen called jane austen the secret radical as we've also established <laughs> um and uh yeah it's kind of it was kind of the child of accidentally ending up doing all jane austen teaching for about 18 months two years and uh, maternity leave and also like discovering i'd made a really really dreadful mistake that i'd been telling students for ages to be honest um so i was marking um and i was like you have to imagine me massively pregnant for this story. yeah like huge resting pregnant. the papers yeah yeah on resting the papers yeah, okay. on the bump like i was like miles away <laughs> from the table um seriously like about mm, eight, eight eight months three weeks wow um so i was doing my last bit of work before i went maternity. Uh, and this was marking some coursework um for oxford actually um or austin and um i was like oh i was a knowledgeable expert i was on like the 15th paper order um and they'd included the um uh the the, the well-known uh claim that austin um uh, had said that emma woodhouse is a character whom no one but myself will much like we all know that we can imagine it and that, yeah you know, austin's voice and they hadn't put the footnote in so the footnote was completely blank and i was like i was like oh, honestly
0: yeah. <laughs> Seriously, this is like quite, it's quite a major piece Come of text. Come on, guys, time. you've got a, you've got to footnote it.
1: Yeah, yeah, exactly. Like footnotes, footnotes are important in, in academic writing. Um, I love a footnote, Me, I used to put them in my like A <laughs> level exam papers, like <laughs> little conversations with the the uh, the, exa- the the examiner. But anyway, so there I was, and I was like, right, okay, and I started kind of trying to look for the quotes so that I could write it in in like in, in pencil because you're not allowed to use red but um, and I looked. And I looked and I looked. And I went to the loo a few times because obviously you remember I was very pregnant. Um, and I couldn't find it. And it turns out that's because it's not an Austin quote. But I'd been going around
2: years
1: and years. I've been teaching Austin on rock for quite a long time by this point. Um, and I've been spouting complete books. <laughs> it's great, basically. <laughs> like, it's not Austin. Like, it's really not. Um, uh, uh, she might have said it, but it's one of those ones that comes down kind of at second hand, like years and years afterwards from some kind of nephew. Yeah. Um, uh, I think it's from James Edward Austen Late. which was um, the first. That's the first biography. Yeah, that's yeah. the that's the kind of um, like memoir of Jane Austen. Mm-hmm. Um, and um, uh, yeah, complete, complete, But you see it, you see it everywhere. So they had yeah. them. They had well, when it was the bicentenary. Um, I, think, I think it was that. Well, they had anyway in the Oxford. English faculty library, they had a big display case with that quote, a topic, uh, you, on, on top of it. And I'm like, it's Oxford people, you can't do this.
0: Um, well, Lauren and I were walking in Bath and we yeah. saw this huge flower display, which was an open book, and on one side yeah. is a cameo of Jane Austen, and on, on the other side is, oh, who could ever tire of Bath attributed to Jane Austen. And we stood there recording ourselves on yeah. Lauren's iPhone going, wow, she. Hated it, she hated Bath. One, she didn't say this, it was a character. Two, she hated it, and then this old man was just shouting at us going, Get out of the way.
1: We're, we're trying to take photos of it. Don't but it I don't, even like that. it of, don't understand. It kind of it kind of encapsulates though, kind of like Austin Austin studies at Austin fandom, doesn't it? That yeah. there's sort of you know, there there are the places and there's a particular kind of pretty pretty view of Austin that people want to have. And then there's another layer of kind of interpretation on top, some of which is true, and some of which really once you start kind of examining it, is like it just vanishes. Like you push yeah. you put the slightest bit of weight on it and it goes. Um and yet people are of like strangely resistant convinced and very attached, very, the very, ideas. Very, attached, yeah. very attached to them very, very, very attached very attached to them. Um, and you know, that's not that's not necessarily a bad thing. Like I mean the you know, the love the love for Austin generally is a like is great.
0: But do you find that makes her simultaneously very accessible because there is so much yeah. but then inaccessible because some people don't react well to the idea of Austin that is kind of forced upon you and you know I speak to so many people who go, oh, I don't really like Austin you know I don't want to read about like rich people who can just run away and know, like know, go absolutely. back to daddy's money I mean, and I'm comp- like that's not that isn't it
1: and and there are so many people who are utterly convinced that that's what the books But are I don't think about. it's their fault and it's not no it's not it's not that they're stupid mm-hmm. well, I mean well, I mean with the uh, obviously a couple of years ago there was this big fuss with the uh you mean know, I call them the alt right yeah don't we so, yeah Milo, whose surname I can't remember, yeah, 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 him, um, saying, Oh, uh, Austin's like really conservative, and everyone's like, Oh, but well, he's stupid. And like, when oh, we no, return this to the a...
0: ethno state, everyone has to be Mr. Darcy, everyone or, has yeah. to be
1: like, you, everyone will be Mr. Darcy, and all women will be like Jane Austen. I'm like, I- I'm not, I'm not, but and that wasn't him being dim in, in that particular aspect, <laughs> it's, an, like, it's a very, very standard argument to say yeah. that Austin is conservative and you know, um. Uh, yeah uh, socially socially stayed economically stayed supportive of the status quo and that the status quo at that time was somehow wonderfully secure mm-hmm. none of which is true but which has nevertheless kind of managed to keep this really really strong stranglehold on her and i you know so yeah it's not it's not that people are being dim it's just that they've bought into The kind of dominant cultural interpretation of of what she's doing
0: other than this footnote business what was your the rest of your experience teaching austin like um
1: well so like you were saying it's that kind of it's this double-edged sword in that people do love austin like they really love her and they will as is as is not always the case you find (laughs) as as a tutor um but they will actually generally actually go and read go away and read the books all mm-hmm. the way through um but the problem is and i talk about this quite a lot in the book is that they don't actually read the book yeah um the thing that was really probably one of the most noticeable um parts of it so um, if we were doing sense of sensibility so reading the end of sense and sensibility and you know i'm, I'm, I'm pretty certain that this would be a classroom of students who had actually read the book, like, who had genuinely read mm-hmm. it, who had seen the film, who had been... And, I, you know, I always encourage students to kind of view the adaptations as kind of a, a, another analysis, essentially, kind of another kind of critical interpretation. Okay, yeah. Um, and, um, like, so, so they, were, they, like, they knew about it, and they, they, were, they were quoting the text in their essays. Like, it's not, it's not that they hadn't done it, but when I said, oh, what did you think about that weird bit with the scissors? They'd just look at me completely blankly. And I'd be like, no, there is like a really, really weird scene with scissors in there. And they'd be like, oh. And then we turn to the page and they'd go, oh. Yeah. And yet they, you know, they, they had read it. They just hadn't seen it, essentially. It's yeah, just well, they're of, not
0: taking it in. Because yeah. sometimes you can read it as well. And it's like, well, I know the plot. So you're kind of, I know that when I read it, all I see is, course she forgets his name lauren who's that guy
1: <laughs> i don't know which one
0: he was in doctor who which is David funny Timmett? because no no <laughs> he's, so, he's such an annoying actor <laughs> oh my gosh so he was in the more recent sense and sensibility he plays um, colonel brandon god yeah <laughs> right i'm trying to see the face and i can't see it he's got those he's got blue eyes so anyway so they do this <laughs> whole thing and every time he rides a horse there's electric guitar so if you read it now i'm like i'm gonna need someone to stand there but, with an electric guitar but that
1: kind of happens right it's and it's not i don't you it's not it's not a failure in the reader it's just a, a, it's hard to completely separate
2: yourself
1: it's a layer I, 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 I sort of don't want to refer to it as something entirely negative because it's not, but it is it does do battle with the text mm-hmm. to, to a certain degree and it certainly does battle with understanding the text as Austin wrote it and, and kind of was expecting us to, to interact with it. Um, and you know you't can't, you can't just throw 200 years out of the window, but it's not just that 200 years of time. it's this very kind of sticky
0: yeah. view and with adaptations as well it's very I always say to my, my mother is deeply anti-adaptations of things right um, and I always say well the book's still on the shelf you can yeah. just pick that up whenever you want but actually although you can just pick up the book you can't unsee you can't unsee the things it and that it's seen, a different so...
1: it's a different experience right yeah. and it kind of it, it sort of yeah. yeah, like I say, it's not it's it's not right just to talk of it as like an infection or as being wrong. And I like, I don't I don't want to be completely negative about it. But even the best adaptations like the um the Angli Sense of Sensibility, mm-hmm. you're like, Why the hell are you talking about Belgium, people? Don't talk about that. Stop it. Stop talking about Belgium. It's not not even set up till eighteen thirty. It's not in the book. Like massively not in the book. Um and I suppose that's and the, the one adaptation, I don't think this is actually a coincidence, the one that works best for me is the, um, the persuasion with Amanda Root and Kieran Heinzen. I
0: love that one, 1995,
1: Nineteen ninety five. Wentworth, what a panty dropper. What a hottie, yeah, <laughs> I, mean, I I watched that one a lot, I have to say, it does a bit more for me than Colin Firth, I'm not going to lie. Um.
0: Wentworth, until we read North and South, Captain Wentworth was like the boyfriend of the show, Yeah. but then we met, met John Thornton, uh, and I <sighs> just
1: no one I think I don't I mean, know if I, he'll I ever be could, I think you could actually be happily married to either of them which is not the case with a lot of I'd take either yeah honestly like they, they seem like they seem like they'd
0: be great friends
1: I, 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 I like that they're, they're like decent people they can analyse their own behaviour and accept that they've made they mistakes they learn from them they learn from their mistake. exactly exactly yes. and that's the that's the really attractive thing like that's it's so interesting to think about Darcy as well, right? That he mm-hmm. he actually, it's not it's not Pemberley and it's not like that he's really rich and it's not the wet shirt. It's that he's willing to kind of think, actually, I fucked up. We'll get onto him in a minute. Yeah. But <laughs>
0: you could almost say it, almost,
1: almost about Henry Crawford. Henry Crawford. <laughs> Couldn't yeah. you? You could, you could, like he's, and he, he again, okay, yeah, he's rich. Not as rich as Darcy, I don't think. I never knew exactly how much money they have. I mean, he has like an estate, but it's not a huge one. Um, but he's well educated and he's witty, and he's not—he's not, not that good looking. But he, his personality is enough right, to get he's over not, it. Is he? He's not that good looking, um, uh, but and he's quite—you know—he's quite small. He's not like tall and imposing. But he, like, he can talk you round.
0: Yeah, he's got
1: character. Yeah, and I mean, unlike Edmund. Well, this is the thing and I mean we, this is we, when we when we discovered that it wasn't recording. We we just got to the yeah, we, we had just said so many interesting so things many about interesting my things. boyfriend Henry uh, Crawford. <laughs> yeah. But um it, it's actually about how um Austin is uh, she's quite clear-eyed about where the errors of her um her male villains, her male kind of anti-heroes are coming from. Like mm-hmm. Will there's you know, this is whole whole like analysis of Willoughby's character, in the inner sensibility and about why he is the way he is. like that it's society that has made him that way. and it's, you know, he's he, there there are certain imperatives acting on him, and he has just responded to them. um and it's kind of the case with Henry Crawford He has, has a slightly more tragic backstory yeah. than a lot of the other ones, right? So he's been orphaned at quite a, a young, young age. age. He's been sent to live with like an uncle and aunt who are, very unhappily married and then the uncle and aunt have massively played favorites with him and his sister and it seems to have be been like a horribly kind of manipulative mm-hmm. uh, you insecure background to be coming from and so you can you can kind of see why he becomes the man that he is where he kind of you know he he enjoys collecting scalps and he does you know, he so like he wants to he wants he wants to make a little hole in Fanny Price's heart, right? So there is a um, there is a, a a really obscure novel by a very very obscure novelist um, who in fact wrote what looks a lot like a a kind of like, it could have been inspiration for Mansfield Park. So there's really? like the the father they that there's this estate that they have in oh, I couldn't swear to it being Antigua but it's in the West Indies somewhere. Um, and the father goes off and kind of you know does his does his thing there and is away for a long time and then his his son and his daughter both make these kind of like disastrous you know, romantic um, decisions and it's like it's quite similar enough that it's not implausible that, mm-hmm. that Austin might might have read it and kind of been inspired um, but that author also wrote one um, where um, uh, yeah, someone goes off to North America and basically has all the adventures that the um, Irish nationalist leader Lord Edward Fitzgerald really had in oh. in America, where he like got adopted by a, a tribe of Native Americans. And it's 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 a really like it's a, I um I edited it for Chawton House Library. Did you? Um, so it's like it's well worth a look if you fancy a crazy can, what's crazy. The, name of the, author? um, the uh, author's name is Elizabeth Hervey, uh, okay. and she is William Beckford's half sister. If you've heard of William Beckford, big slaving money, all the slaving money. She she had she had money from slave, slavery. Really? As well. yeah. Okay. Uh, or in fact lost money from slavery because her husbands were not so great. Um, but yeah, she writes about it in a very. it's it's, it's interesting to contrast the way that she, from a slave owning background, yeah. writes about it where it's. Basically, the slaves don't really like. There's no. It's it's totally unproblematic. It's not. Mm-hmm. There's no suggestion that this is in any way morally compromising anything or anybody. Which is, um, of course, how many people read Mansfield Park. Which is how many people, but it, it it's yeah. I mean that that, that is a novel. Is way more that is a novel where it's not a problem. Okay. And it, it's it's very like. It, it, there's it, Mansfield Park is, is significantly different. Oh, we we're still working. Yeah, sorry. (laughs) Uh, So so, yeah, Mansell Park. It just, I, I really find it perplexing that talking about Mansell Park as a novel which is at least interested in slavery is seen as somehow problematic. Like people have been talking, bringing this up for like about a quarter of a century now. Mm -hmm. Um, In in, you know. and and saying, well, you know, look, here's a here's a reference, here's a reference, here's another reference. And I, I found, so far as I'm aware, an awful lot more references in there as well. Like enough that you're you're thinking this is like this is not random. This is not just kind of like coincidental. Yeah. Um and yet people are people are very, very, very resistant still to accepting that It's there. It's there. Even though it is there. I mean, it's explicitly mentioned. Admittedly, in the very like in uh, they're talking about a conversation that's taken place earlier, and then there is the dead silence. Mm-hmm. But it is there. It's not like we're making this up. Um, when did you first read Mansfield Park? When did I read first read Mansfield Park? For A level. Really? So many years ago now. Um, yeah. So we did it. We did it for A level. Absolutely hated Fanny Price. Hated Fanny Price, um, which I think is most people's mm-hmm. is most people's response. She's a very, very difficult character for a modern reader, I think, um, and she wasn't, so far as we can tell, the kind of um, so Austin collected um, kind of the, the opinions of family and friends mm-hmm. on Mansell Park because it wasn't reviewed at all. We'll, we'll we can come back to that um, in a bit, um, and they generally seem to find Fanny really, really problematic as well. They just mm-hmm. didn't, they weren't drawn to her um, in any way. And you know she's she is a bit of a she is a bit of a Debbie Downer. I mean, like she is. <laughs> um, but uh, again, because it's um, because it, it, it's the novel in which we get to see the characters all many of the characters anyway as as children initially, mm-hmm. we're that much more invested in her background and where she's come from. And we can, like her parents are absolutely useless. I mean, they're awful. And none of the parents in Austin are kind of top-notch. Mm-hmm. But, I mean, they're just, like, popping the sprugs out every year. And her dad's her dad is clearly, like, an abusive drunkard. I mean, it's not like Austin sugarcoats this at all. When when Fanny goes home, like, he's kicking stuff around in the house. Like, he's there's that creepy bit where he, he reads in the newspaper this kind of, like, gossip report about Mariah yeah. and Henry shagging. Um, and uh, being caught shagging, rather, I guess, which is, is the problem. <laughs> 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 um, and then they say, oh, I'd like to stand over her as long as I could give her the rope set. And you're like, okay, that's, that's really creepy, people. I'm not going to well, lie. Well, she's
0: taking us far away from, like, the genteel society yeah. of Mansfield Park, which you are very aware of the problems of, but kind of showing you that it's not... You can't just go from one to the other and everything is...
1: Yeah, is well, fine. I mean, but it's... I mean, there's that sort of... As a as a kind of guardian, Sir Thomas Bertram is. I mean, there are some, there are one or two creepy moments between yeah. him and Fanny, and you are, I think, very much aware that they are not biologically related to mm-hmm. each other. You know, he's he's married to her aunt. He's not her uncle himself. Um, and you know, there's it's it's creepy. It is, it, and I I I don't I can't see any reason why it isn't meant to be. You know, this idea that. This is this much older man discussing... He's been his, away. He's been away, he comes back, you know. And again, we don't... It's, it's As with the slavery, it's a conversation that we get repeated to us rather than actually kind of see happening in, in, mm-hmm. in the text. Um, and, you know, it's it's Edmund, which is a, a, an extra kind of level of, of uncomfortableness for her. But, you know, yeah, a much, much older man when you're 18, being like, oh, your figure is so much improved. Like... Right. not just oh you look you know you look you look, look really nice if you've grown it's not it's not the avuncular you've grown up into a beautiful young woman it's the yeah you've grown up into a beautiful young woman i particularly like the way your hips look in that dress it's creepy <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so, and uh yeah i mean it's but it's almost like one is socially more acceptable yes, right yes So. although i and i think they're meant to be given that the the two there's they're the same kind of relationship to the, to the young women in question, like mm-hmm. Sir thomas Sir Thomas talking about Fanny and Fanny's father talking about Mariah, Mariah Birch. And yeah they are that I think they're meant to be these like two uncles mirror images yeah. these two uncles who are not actually uncles and how their their interactions with their their wife's nieces are completely 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 inappropriate yeah and very like that they are viewing them not as family members but as you know sexually available women essentially and it's <laughs> Like I, I think I, I think they're I not, not 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 that I've ever considered that before, but they they are. it is, I think you're possibly meant to view those as kind of reflecting on each other.
0: Now speaking of uh, reflecting on each other, Fanny Price, Mariah Crawford, Mary Crawford, Mary Crawford, Mary Crawford <laughs> Bertram, like the,
1: yeah, Mary Crawford triangulation is a is a big thing and like they have these they're all they're all ter- <laughs> like there's never a relationship that is straightforwardly between mm-hmm. two people is that there's always there's always these kind of corners that, that yep. people are going around um so yeah that that kind of your kind of confusion between mary and mariah there is is i think quite an interesting one actually um but mary crawford like the the, the standard re- the, like the standard thing to say right is that mary crawford is like lizzie Bennett. like She's witty. She flirts. She's energetic. She's more selfish. She is more selfish. But again, as with Henry Crawford, she's had actually quite a difficult upbringing. But and and it's an upbringing that's actually surprisingly similar to Fanny's. Right, they've mm-hmm. both been brought up by an aunt and uncle, and they it's well all three of them in fact have been brought up by an aunt and uncle. There's that that kind of. R- yeah, there's there are the links between them that would almost lead us to suppose it's almost that...
0: like parallel roads, isn't it? Because yeah. Fanny has been brought up. There's the conversation where Mary's trying to establish whether or not Fanny is in society, mm. and no one's really thought about it before. No. Whereas Mary is very much in society and has yeah. kind of been thrown to the wolves. Yeah. And it's almost like what could happen to these two women who are the same age, yeah. who have the same situation, and but you've got one. I mean, going Mary. On one Mary line, of course has that
1: other. has that extra extra layer of being rejected because you know her so having been kind of you know they're both all, we should, so Mary and Henry are orphaned they go to live with the aunt and uncle aunt and uncle hate each other then the aunt dies and the because like so I'm going to move my mistress in now at which point Henry can carry on staying with him when he goes to London Mary can't she's orphaned again she's orphaned again right it's a it's a, it's a it's a second rejection which happens to Fanny which happens because to Fanny and yeah on. and that that kind of so that the the sort of <sighs> There are, I mean, whether you want to see them as kind of, you know, this kind of parallelism parallelism, or whether they're different sides of the same personality, whether they're, uh, whether it's a a sort of uh, simply about the difference that money makes. Mary Crawford has money, Fanny, of course, has none. Um, But it's a, or or the kind of, you know, social, social confidence that that they have. But, you know, and they're both, they both have a close relationship with their brother. There are. The, the the similarities between them are actually really quite considerable. Um, yeah, they both they're impossibly... romantic rivals for William. Yeah, I was just about to say, like they both fall in love with, with one of Austin's least engaging heroes. Yeah, heroes like I'm doing scare quotes. <laughs> it's awful. He's awful. He's worse than Henry Tilney. And I mean that is saying a lot. Worse
0: than Henry Tilney. Worse than Henry Tilney. Now, that I think is going to be an interesting take.
1: Worse than Henry Henry Tilney. Is- God, he's such a mansplainer. <laughs>
0: uh, I can. Lauren is just going to be laughing to herself <laughs> so smugly. I can <laughs> hear it.
1: I can't stand Henry Chilney. I would strangle him.
0: I think I, I think I have a crush on him. Really? Yeah. No. I think it's JJ Field. Come on, Foxy
1: Field. <laughs> See, and this is the problem. Like you, you exactly. are, like, I can't. Exactly. You can't separate them. You can't, you can't separate them. Like you're sort of like, oh well. Yeah. It's like I, I, you. I love Captain Wentworth. Like Kieran, you know, I mean, Hines. Kieran Hines. You wouldn't kick him out of bed. Um, even nowadays, you wouldn't kick him out of bed. To be honest. <laughs> and I'm, I'm, I'm a married. Woman. But, um, I, oh no but he's just he's so dreadful he's dreadful
0: now as much as i'd love to give you a platform to bash uh, my boyfriend jj field i'm not going to i'm going to keep it on track do you think austin wanted us to pick mary or fanny do you think it is as easy as that to say i like fanny so i can't like mary mary is a cow because she rode the horse i or... i don't
1: i don't think it's because as soon as she finds out that that's Fanny's horse. She's, she's like, she's like, I'm so sorry. Like, I, I, I was just. I it's lied. Edmund's fault. It's Edmund's fault. She's yeah. like, oh, you should, you should not have let me monopolize her horse all last week. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm like, I'm, 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 I, I feel sorry. I, I feel sorry on my own, but my own. But I'm also apologizing for you, Edmund, because you've been a bastard to her. And it's, you know, she, she is selfish sometimes, and she can be manipulative, but she's not, she's not that awful a human being. I mean, she's is that the friends, like external friends in Austin novels are usually a bit dodgy, aren't they? Like mm-hmm. They can almost never be trusted.
0: The advice is never really, you know, people aren't good guardians, people give bad advice, people can't be trusted, people are in- inconsistent, you know, yeah, even yeah. Charlotte Lucas, who is oh, one yeah. of the better friends, Lizzie can't understand no. why she marries um, Mr. Collins, yeah. and then almost goes, more out of curiosity than anything to stay with them and luckily like their friendship does continue but it's not. But
1: she's still clearly a bit like she's she's trying to kind of like you know she's like oh maybe maybe you could marry Colonel Fitzwilliam and mm-hmm. like oh, interesting Mr. Darcy all the livings will be so rich it's you know there's and I mean the, the, the sisterly relationships are kind of okay in the early novels but by persuasion what Anne Elliot does yeah. not get on like she's all right her and Mary are kind of okay. They can rub along, but I mean Elizabeth's not interested. A- absolute bitch, mm-hmm. right? She's awful. Um, and then there's all the you know there, there there's all these kind of even even there. I mean Anne is Anne is Anne is the the kind of warmer, more cuddlier version of Fanny. Right? She's yeah. good, but she's she's not quite so good that she makes you want to slap her. Um, but I mean she like she's been her younger sister's romantic rival and then mm-hmm. she's her elder sister's romantic rival like the, even anne who's like really good is still kind of like there's no sense of sisterhood there there's yeah. no sense that you know hands off it's um yeah it's like everyone, even, everyone's awful
0: essentially even the sisters that like uh like mary marries into mm. you know with the musgroves even they are yeah, you know, yeah, Louisa, romantic yeah. rival. She's kind of not safe from... Lady Russell gives her the bad advice. Yeah. Um, she, the Musgroves kind of use her to score points against Mary, Mary vice versa. Yeah. She doesn't really have a strong... Until she meets uh, Sophie Croft. Yes. But they don't really get... We don't get to see them become friends. We don't friends, really get to see But them you be, can imagine we, we that can friendship... imagine that they can. That they, they will, will have. do. And yeah, they'll kind exactly. of, you know,
1: they'll be they'll be good sisters in law yeah. together. But it's, you know, like... But, yeah, I mean, it's... And I mean... Marcel Park in some ways kind of heroizes the sibling bond mm-hmm. over everything else. I mean, the Fanny's Fanny's love for Edmund is kind of problematic, um, but it's, it it seems quite clear from the way that the text presents it that it's it starts out because she can't actively love her brother William anymore, and all she can do is like write him letters and be pleased mm-hmm. to see him when he comes to visit, kind of you know once in ten years, and so she kind of turns all of that sibling love, you know, the, the kind of affection that she had for her younger sibling, she turns all of that on Edmund because yeah. no one else wants it. And, you know, it's the the unnerving thing, I guess, is that it, it looks like, if you look at the like the last page of Matter Park, it does look like she's up the duff, right? So sort of okay. they move um so they 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 go to his um like spare Living clerical mm-hmm. living at Thornton Lacey, and then the Mansfield one falls vacant, just as they had been married long enough to feel the want of it. Okay, which yeah, I have always read as a kind of euphemistic it's way time to... of saying yeah, you know she's she's up the duff. Um, I what it's possible. I'm overreading that. Um, although I don't think I'm alone in, it, in interpreting it that way. Um, but she's she's the only heroine. Who? Where we ever see any suggestion mm-hmm. that you know she has children? So I, I, I think, think that's right. I think in Sense of Sensibility you kind of get to see them married a little bit, and at the end of Pride and Prejudice you kind of you know Jane and Bingley move closer. There's no there's yeah. no like crowd of little nieces and nephews appearing at the It's quite relatively unusual. I mean, in lots lots of other novels of the period, you would have you know the last section is like 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 oh, at the oh, end oh. Of, a, of a modern romance. Like, well, look. Like, okay. mm-hmm. We like at the end absolutely. of Harry Potter, nineteen years later. Need I say
0: more? How many children can you fit in one scene, J.K. Rowling? A lot. A, a lot. lot is apparently. The answer. <laughs> all got stupid names.
1: <laughs> but um, uh, but yeah, this is this is. Uh, I'm although Like there may be some uh, another in, like example that I can't think of at the minute. But yeah, it's a kind of. There, there are not that many pregnancies in Austen novels, given you know they're, they're absolutely like almost non-existent contraceptive options. Mm-hmm. Um, and but that does does appear to to be a reference to one, and that's that's icky. <laughs> <laughs> and you say in the book as
0: well that Austen makes it very clear at the start of the book.
1: It does. I mean, there's, there's this a relationship whole discussion is, about yeah. it. Um, and admittedly it's Mrs. Norris. Yeah. But. I don't think that that necessarily in and of itself means that we should dismiss everything that she says. And she says, look, basically the only way you can ensure that your sons will never be interested in her romantically is by bringing her into the house and bringing her up as their sister. And then refuses to do that. Yeah, but she (laughs) does.
0: It's her fault anyway, well
1: (laughs) done. But she she says it is morally impossible. Mm -hmm. And it's not
0: yeah as we see
1: as we see and i mean i think it's i think it's interesting as well that when when fanny does um because uh, uh, she's sort of inform she kind of, you know, she kind of does informally get engaged to henry I mean, it's not sort of kind of public but there's an understanding mm-hmm. let's say and that's one of the things that disgusts her so much about him sleeping with Mariah is that Mariah is her cousin. It's this kind of, again, this kind of like triangulated incest, and that that really troubles her. Like it, it's it's a kind of like she has this really physical response to mm-hmm. it, and yet apparently that response isn't there when she's coming to. It's 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 odd. I mean, and, I suppose it's one of the many. It's one of the many kind of um, uh, similarities, echoes between Mansfield Park and Emma, which of course have written quite close together, um, is that you have these these sort of incestuous marriages. Right. I mean, not actually, because obviously cousins did get married, but it's not like Austin's keen on it yeah. swear in her life. She's quite she's quite anti it as a concept, and obviously it happened in her own family as well. So. Uh, her well, when Henry you marriage. when
0: you think about the way the marriage between darcy and his cousin is portrayed mm. in pride and prejudice like it's it's laughable you know like elizabeth is yeah. just like oh really? <laughs> we're gonna gross <laughs> you yeah. know like it's an uncomfortable yeah. conversation it, it that is. lady catherine it de is. berg is kind of having just saying like we decided it you know
1: and it's yeah and, it, and, and obviously cousin marriages were i mean very normal Mm-hmm. Uh, at the time it's not till like, later I mean, in the 19th century that people realise it's a bad yeah. plan um, and um, yeah you know her, her, her brother marries their first cousin and they don't have any children together which may be a good thing um, <laughs> but uh, it's um, Austen Austen herself doesn't doesn't seem terribly enamoured of it as an idea um, you know it's, it's, it's so often kind of avoided mm-hmm. so even in um, even in persuasion where they're quite distant cousins, I mean, like third cousins or something. That doesn't happen. So it's kind of it's brought up and it's discussed a lot, and then it's taken away again because that's not that's yeah, not what we're about. It's taken off the table. Um, and so to have to have that marriage here, and it's not just a marriage between cousins. It is a marriage that ought to be morally impossible. Where they have been brought up as brother and sister. I mean, they really have. And they've behaved like brother and. They and they behaved like brother and sister, and you know Tom, the the, the eldest but he he treats her basically like a little sister too. Like he he ignores her most of the time, and he yeah. buy he buys her some nice presents, um, just like you know Henry buys Mary presents. It's a very, it's it's a kind of, it's not a particularly close relationship, but it does it does feel like a. But I also like don't think Tom like.
0: is painted particularly close to Julia and Mariah.
1: No, no. I mean, he's he's away at like school and then university. And older, like it's, yes. and he's he's older, and it's you know, they're they're not a terribly close family, mm-hmm. and but it's undoubtedly the case that that Tom Tom has seems to have a very similar relationship with Fanny to the relationship that he has with his sisters, and Edmund in fact probably has a closer relationship with Fanny than he has with his own sisters, and so that's what makes it really. Oh, I think and I and I I don't I don't think that's just kind of a modern, you know, anachronistic interpretation of that relationship being not so great. And you get it again in Emma, right? Where again they're not they're actually related. You know, we are we are we are not brother and sister after all. Nothing yeah. would be improper for us to dance together. But you know, he's known her since she was born. he dandled, was her, her. dandled her on his knee when she was a baby and he was sixteen, and that's. It's. It's at least problematic,
2: mm-hmm.
1: um, and there, there I suppose you can sort of say, well, she's, you know, she's had a completely kind of essentially non-existent father. I mean, he's for whatever reason not available to her to do any Emotionally, of the yeah, yeah, you know, it, it, emotionally in terms of like teaching her, in terms of showing her how to behave, he's just he's not he's not doing he's not present, yeah. any of the parental things essentially. And so she she is looking for a father figure, and so marrying a man who is older than her is, for her, okay. Mm-hmm. But there there is very much this kind of this kind of sense I think in in both those novels that it's it's maybe not an ideal option, but it is the option that is safe. And mm-hmm. um, in sense of Sensibility and Final and you of course have you know these men are total strangers and you have no idea where they're coming from and what the background to their lives is and what they've been doing and what other kind of sexual partners they've been having. Yeah. Um, you know, And this is particularly with um, uh, with Evan Ferris where he's like, got these two women on the go and he's kind of like going off and seeing Lucy and he's like, oh, I just happen to be passing from my fiance's yeah. place. You know, it's, um, the, the, there is the... Oh my gosh, of course, that's why he's in town.
0: Oh my goodness, Hugh Grant, you dirty dog!
1: Yeah, he's a bad man. Wow. Yeah, that's why. That's why he's passing their their little cottage because he's yeah. Well, <laughs>
2: very disappointed. <in laughs> he, did, him. he didn't. He didn't. I didn't like him anyway. So, yeah, no, no, no
1: he's, he's, he's 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 rubbish as well. Um, so we've got the
0: ick. <laughs> we don't like Edmund, Edward, Brandon, but specifically in Mansfield Park, we don't like Edmund. We don't like the re- relationship between Edmund and Fanny in the marriage. But
1: I, know, said... I, it's, it's, I mean it's it's safe mm-hmm. it, and that's I suppose that's, that's what you were getting at with that the, the that there are there's there's such uncertainty there's such risk out there out there yeah. in your you know exogamous partners that at least your cousin you know what they're like and I, I I've never met any of my cousins but I, I would still find that really 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 unpleasant I don't know. It's...
0: I don't think any of my cousins listen to the show, but I just want them to know that we will not be getting married. <laughs> um, so, sorry. Why wasn't Mansfield Park reviewed? widely? Well,
1: this is a very good question. So, all of Austen's other novels, when they come out, mm-hmm. are reviewed. Yeah. Um, uh, Varying kind of lengths, varying degrees of, like, favourability, but they're all reviewed. Um, And the really interesting thing about Mansfield Park, is that it kind of gets to a point where it starts to look like the non-reviewing is deliberate. So when Emma comes out, um, Austin Austin changes publishers, I'm sure people know this, um, in between Mansfield Park and Emma. Um, and she moves to Don Murray, um, who, who are still going, I think they're an imprint of some bigger publishing behemoth now. Um, but, um, so Byron's publishers, mm-hmm. um, your listeners all know all of this, you know, like. I don't, I don't okay. know this. Why does she. What's Why the move? She Why Well, does she I read? mean, because she was really. I, well, the, the, the suggestion seems to be because she was really yes. disappointed with how Mansfield Park had done. Right, um, okay. It, um No reviews, um, and it sold. it sold really, terribly. Quite badly, really, really badly.
0: 450 copies
1: left yeah. after five yeah. years? Yeah, it okay. sold very, very badly. Um And for the first time since her. her Really, really unsuccessful attempts to negotiate with publishers back at the beginning of eighteen oh nine, when she tries to threaten them into, Mad. yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so she, um, so uh, what we think is uh, an early version of Northanger Abbey. So a novel called Susan. Um, she had sold in. 1803 1803 that's when it. she was living at 4 Sydney Place in there Bath we there we go i was like <laughs> oh, no, it was 1802 <laughs> was 1803 um, so she had <laughs> she had sold she had sold Susan probably not really um and um, didn't appear. Didn't appear. Didn't appear. Didn't appear. And in eighteen o nine, when she knows that she's going to be moving to Chawton, mm-hmm. so she's been, you know, kicking around Bath, kicking around Southampton, that um, she knows she's going to be com- kind of more secure now. And she writes to the publisher, a guy called Crosby, as like, basically, where's my novel, you bastard? Um, and if you don't publish it, I'm going to publish it with someone else. And Crosby writes back, and it's like, <laughs> no, yeah, uh, basically, give us ten pounds back. You can have it um and she she signs herself like mrs Mrs. ashton dennis so that she can be mad her her initials be mad (laughs) um but um anyway so that that was her that was her first and uh uh, until she comes to be trying to do negotiations to emma that's her that's her first and only uh, disastrous (laughs) attempt to deal with the publishers on her own and her brother henry um acts acted as her her literary agent basically um and um he was the one who kind of set up the publishing relationship with Edgerton, um, who he vaguely knew they were they were generally more of a kind of like military publisher. Okay. Um, Henry obviously has the kind of military background. Um and um uh but anyway, he was ill when she was uh negotiating the change to Murray. Murray Murray, in fact, they, they approached her, essentially. Okay. Um and um uh so she actually did the negotiating for that herself. If you've watched um, Miss Austen Regrets, yeah, it has it has big, relatively accurate scenes of 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 how that that might have gone.
0: Oh no, do you? Know, I I just don't remember them
1: <laughs> at all. But they they. Yeah. But it's a good excuse to watch. It's a it. good. I I really like Miss Austen Regrets. I loved it. Can't stand becoming Jane, but Miss Austin Regrets is 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 pretty good. I mean, mm-hmm. as a I mean, it it pushes a particular kind of view of of Austen as a. Writer. But everything like but everything every, is an agenda. Yeah, every and and it's, you know, it's not like making up complete nonsense. Just nice mm-hmm. a change. Yeah. Um, oh, I I've never, I've so never read Tom Jones. Accent, I guess you have. that accent. <laughs> um, but anyway, and uh so uh and when she um, a part of the negotiation that she she does for Emma is that Murray will bring out a second edition of Manson Park. Mm-hmm. So she does seem to be kind of quite quite insistent on this happening, and um, you know Murray's Murray was a Murray was canny. Murray was a, like he was a he was a smooth operator. He knew what he was doing, um, and um, he and his um, kind of one of his editors. He uh, was called Gifford. Um basically they, they do a they they do a good job on Emma, you know, they they kind of they edit it to, to make the kind of particularly austenian yeah. kind of semi-colon nonsense. So that that's that's it's been suggested by um Catherine Sutherland. It's basically all Gifford essentially. Okay. Um and uh, or at least influenced by Gifford. Um and um the other thing that they do is they um, arrange a um, very long very favorable review of Emma and her work to date, and um, we now know that it was actually written by Walter Scott, but it was not; it was done anonymously mm-hmm. at the time. Um, goes on for pages and pages. The reviews then tended tended to be quite long, um, and so it talks about Emma and also says, well, you know, basically as a um, as a background um, to uh, this writer, who I'm saying is kind of representative of a new class of of, of novelists. Um, I'm going to talk about um, her other novels, and. Nice discussion about sense sensibility. Nice discussion about pride and prejudice. Nothing on Mansfield Park. And Austin got, Austin was sent the review by Murray. He sent it to her. She read it and she sent it back. And she was like, awesome review, so happy you mm-hmm. arranged that for me in in, in brackets. Um I, basically I have nothing to complain about.
0: But <laughs> he Mansfield didn't Park? mention
1: like, what are you, I oh it's it's something about how the I um something about being disappointed about how so, so clever a, a man as the reviewer of, of Emma could think it not worth his while to mention Mansfield mm-hmm. Park. And so it, does, it, does, it really does start to seem like there was a kind of bit of a conspiracy of silence okay. um, yeah, about people Park. People
0: weren't going to talk about it or discuss and it. There's and also,
1: there's also a very, very peculiar comment um, in uh, a, another separate review of Emma, Um, where the reviewer says, it's in a a kind of conservative church churchy, Church of England journal Anglican journal Um, and um, it basically says there well, you know basically, Emma's fine and not least of its attractions is that it um, doesn't say anything about religion of fanatical novels and like fanatical authoresses particularly authoresses, we are sick and there's no, it, it, it. Possible. I mean, obviously, wouldn't want to kind of stand stand upon it, insisting desperately that <laughs> it's true. But it seems at least plausible to me that that is that's a veiled comment on Mansfield Park, um, and on the um, what seems to be the kind of um, well, the, the 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 quite what what would have been I think to an audience at the time, to a readership at the time, if they were paying attention. Um, really quite a pointed criticism of, in particular, the Church of England. So the um, for me, I mean, I, I argue in the book that Edmund's massive unattractiveness as a character um, and the slavery come together in a scene where um, Fanny is, she's given her an amber cross uh, by her brother, William, as in fact, Austin was given a, a topaz cross a by topaz her, one. Her, yeah. her sailor sailor brother, one of them. Can't remember what it was. I called think it Charles. was Charles. Could could well be Charles. Yes, I think it is Charles. Um, and um, so, and she she's going to wear it on a bit of ribbon to uh, the, the the ball that, that that's being given. Um she's really excited about it. And um, Mary Crawford in one of those kind of. Half generous, half bitchy and manipulative moments that, that she kind of characterise her. Um, she says, "Oh look, I've got this. I've got this big kind of box of all these like chains and necklaces that I, I never wear. Um, choose one," um, and kind of seems to edge her into choosing one that had been a present from Henry and so it's all like, "Oh Henry, he'll be so pleased to see that." I like don't know. know.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, and meanwhile, Edmund brings her, brings Fanny, um, a chain. Um, and it's quite marked that the necklace that Mary Crawford gives her always called, is called necklace, and that the chain that Edmund gives her is called chain, and so you then end up with kind of a chain and a cross being joined. It's this really quite, quite kind of uh, an unusual moment of symbolism in Austen. She doesn't go for symbolism in a big way, but this does seem to to be one. Um, and one of the, one of the things that, especially when you're, you're coming to kind of the, 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 the middle, middle period of, of Austin's writing, is how much more careful she gets with the language that she uses. So in her early novels, she's not, she's not sloppy, but, um, so, um, so Lizzie Bennet will think of Mister Bingley as being like the slave of his designing friends, and by the time you get to Mansell Park and to Emma, you've got you're really much more precise and kind of discriminating about throwing around words like slavery yeah. and chains as well, um, and they are almost always connected with either with bad characters, um, or specifically with with characters who are are. are elsewhere connected with slavery. So okay. in, in Emma, you get it connected with Mrs Elton all the time, who's from, from, from Bristol. From Bristol! My um, neck of the woods. <laughs> um, and, and who's very kind of defensive about yeah. slavery. Um, from which we, I think, the, the the general the general consensus is that we're meant to gather that her family have been involved in it themselves. Well, she's new money, isn't she? She's well. new money. Her, so her maiden name's Hawkins, and he was one of the kind of Bristol slaving bods. Um, and I mean, Bristol is just with blood kind of uh, I mean, Bristol, like for uh, non-British
0: city, but listeners, Bristol <laughs> is basically built on the back of slavery. It was a major slaving port. Yeah. Uh, we are constantly having conversations about what we should be naming. Um, there was a shopping centre. They wanted to call it the Merchant's Quarter. Uh, people were quite upset about that because there would have been a Merchant's Quarter and they would have been selling slaves. Yeah. And we've got buildings that are named after wealthy slave owners. And it's, it's a lot, and I think it's important that Bristol doesn't kind of forget that that's, you know...
1: Well, the, I mean, we're, history, we're, so. we're Oxford and uh, All Souls, just about, what, what 200 metres that way. And they have a um, Codrington library, so Christopher Codrington, um, who, who likes... This is, this is, this is, this is Mansell Park. Um, big uh, slave owner in um, Antigua um, and Barbuda, um, and he left um, his estate in Barbuda... To the Church of England, essentially to a to a particular kind of um, proselytizing arm of the Church of England, called uh, Society of the Propagation of Christian Knowledge, um, and he left a lot of money to All and they have a Coddington Library. And uh, uh, last year, after quite a bit of, I think, justifiable criticism, they they did a they didn't rename it, but they did. Um, I think they've set up a um, scholarship specifically for. Um, students of, of colour yeah. essentially as a sort of not not a compensation but a, a balance um, without kind of erasing the history and, and the kind of truth of, of where that lovely well, prete- big I mean, library is as coming much from. as
0: anything you can take it away and then just pretend it never happened well, you can it Never but... Happened,
1: but it still did yeah. um, and um, so and, and this is this is the thing about the Church of England the Church of England it's not it's not a secret certainly at the time it wasn't a secret that it owned Slave plantations. It was it was willed them, and so mm-hmm. because it was holding them in trust, it then becomes incredibly difficult for you. Know, you can't legally, you can't get rid of them. You can't stop running them. What do you do? Do you sell the slaves and? someone else and consider that they're not your responsibility mm-hmm. it's um and i mean they they uh so and this this came up it came up quite a lot it was a kind of relatively frequently discussed issue at the time that austin was writing throughout austin's lifetime um that you know as slave owners themselves church of england wasn't really in a position it's not unbiased it's not unbiased and i mean they they kind of accepted that they weren't unbiased and they kind of they you know there's all this it's like they they they, they came when they they, they give speeches sometimes and it'll be like oh well we're going to set up like a really nice like a perfect slave community not quite sure what that would look like um but that and they're like oh we would like we we, it's going to be really nice one day um and it'll all be fine and we'll sort of get to a there's it's always going to at some point in the future it's going to be fine it's going to somehow kind Mm -hmm. of work out and be okay and I mean, for me, uh, I think the the kind of what what Mansell Park is is in part about is that that kind of tension. In that, obviously, the um, Britain abolished the slave trade in eighteen oh seven. Spent a lot of money on policing the the slave trading routes up and down the West African coast, like a, a lot of money. Um, um, one of Austin's brothers was one of her naval brothers was was involved in, in running the blockade. Um and I mean they did they did actually rescue people who'd been taken into slavery and then mostly just like land them in Freetown in Sierra Leone and that didn't work out brilliantly well. But it was a nice idea. Um well, nicer than taking them across the Atlantic at any rate. Um And yet... And yet it's still you know, it's not for another 25-30 years that slavery is actually abolished in overseas the territories, yeah. the colonies. If it wasn't happening in Britain. Obviously, you know, Lord Mansfield um, inadvertently abolished slavery in the summer He didn't mean judgment. To, did he, did he didn't mean to. It was it was kind of inadvertent. I mean, but the, the the case law the case law is a little bit messy. But I mean, going back to the Tudor period, it had be there was precedent that you could not have slaves in Britain. That it was not in England, rather, um, says so a, a, a case with like a Russian serf, and I think, this is, I think this is the reign of Elizabeth the first, and they're like, no, it's not a, it's not a thing. You cannot compel labour, essentially, which is very interesting
0: when we consider the British feudal system, and you know, people couldn't move from one manor to the other, yeah. and you could be punished and tried in manorial court, yeah. and there was a deep dis- distrust of strangers yeah. and, in a lot of ways. We were slaves to our landowners, so yeah. it's not an uncommon thing. People really were against it, weren't they? Yeah,
1: like, and it's so. So there's this, there's this. So so Austin. Austin is writing Mansel Park in this very kind of weird, in between land whereby Britain is kind of pluming itself on how if slaves get here, they're free. You posturing. Know, it's, it's posturing itself. You um, uh, uh, but it is posturing. But at the same time, it was actually. It was actually true and um, so in the um um simon sharma wrote, wrote a really good book about this called called rough crossings so during the um american revolutionary war um the british actually said to all the people who were held in slavery come and fight for us and we'll, we'll set you free we, we don't we don't british don't have slaves forget forget about the caribbean british don't have slaves um, and, a lo- and, and, and a fair number of people did run away and join the British forces. And unbelievably, part of the, um, the surrender agreement, when, when the British like, went off with their tail between their legs, was to take those former River. slaves with them. And they took them to Canada. Um, and then a lot of them ended up in Sierra Leone, which, which again, is not, not an awesome plan. Um, but there was, the, there was this kind of real... Vi- Britain envisioned itself as just you know like like the Khaleesi but we still do
0: we haven't been able to shake that cultural identity no, no. especially as I mean we love to compare ourselves favorably to America of course, right of and course. so we feel I think I'm speaking for every Briton ever <laughs> to have spoken or be born and um, superior because we abolished slavery first
1: we abolished slavery, um, slavery soon we did it sooner yeah. sooner than the americans we are and, than it's Brazil, like we've our also... hand
0: and we are you know blameless in it but i
1: think but i think it sort of comes from that it comes from that because i mean abolitionism was not it wasn't this wasn't like two people on a car it was a relatively mainstream position mm-hmm. um certainly before the french revolution gets going um it's one of those frustrating historical things that there was a um, there was a massive sugar boycott um, in the I want to say late seventeen eighties, early seventeen nineties, um, and people like signed their names to it. It's like we're not going to use slave grown sugar. We we don't want to. It's like it's like you're putting blood into your- Coffee, um, and all the um, and Austin was aware of this. Austin, Austin would have been. Everyone was aware of that. I mean, it was a. It, it was. It was much more mainstream than you think of it mm-hmm. as being. But the um, all the records got destroyed. so people were all signed up for it. They 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 were burned. It was all lost. Um, but it was it was a really surprisingly surprisingly not minority position to be to agree that slavery was bad. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think it's. The fact that the Anglican Church kind of couldn't quite bring itself to say that, that um that means means it's seen as being, you know, a couple of a couple of crazy revolutionaries who were coming. it really it really wasn't. Um you know, William Cooper, massively popular poet. Yeah. Um, I mean, basically is an anti slavery writer. Like he's a he's he's an abolitionist poet. Um you know all his poems, some of the ones that get quoted in they get are and they are explicitly anti-slavery poems um, and the I mean it's not it's as if he wasn't a mainstream writer yeah so you
0: say in the book that obviously in in some cases as well you've got characters who are quoting lines and then readers at the time would know that the exact next line is then one that references slavery so So you know um, the poem yeah
1: so there's this bit where um mariah bircham and um henry crawford are it's when when they're at southerton and um she quotes from um a, uh, a book, a novel called um, A Sentimental Journey. It's a bit about mm-hmm. the Starling. I cannot get out, the Starling yeah. said. Incredibly famous passage at the time. And basically a couple of paragraphs on from that, it starts talking about slavery. And this is like, this is a... it's like, it, it would be like knowing what happens in the next chapter of Harry Potter. Yeah. Basically this is such a fundamental part of your literary knowledge that you almost can't help making the connection. I mean, Massive is absolutely crammed with references to, you know, Roman emperors who had African ancestry to plays which either are about slavery or which feature, you know, African caribbean characters. It, like, it's really, it's actually, if you if you know the references, it's really quite relentless. And yet people are insistent on kind of, not pretending it doesn't exist pretending it's not there
0: and not just literature but real people so some of the people that you mention in your book so we're not gonna i mean you should read the chapter because this is like a nutshell Uh, but lord mansfield
1: mr norris mr norris uh, yep uh cowper lady lady lassell well the whole the whole lassell's family are we're, we're all like crazy slave owners but there's there's an explicit reference to like lady lassell's whether that's meant to be yeah. a particular person or just a member of of a famous slave owning family is 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 not uh, totally clear. But yeah, so Lord Mansfield,
0: Mansfield Park, I kind abolished slavery.
1: Um, he had, I mean, if um, those of you who've seen the film um, Dido will know that he was her great uncle. Um, so he has a he had a mixed race um, great niece who he brought up um, in his kind of you know large palatial country house. Um, and um and his his daughter and his his niece. other great niece Elizabeth Murray Elizabeth Murray Jane Austen met her Jane Austen met her on several occasions she, she found her really boring um <laughs> which is, is unfortunate um but yeah so um when Elizabeth Murray got married she married basically a neighbor of Jane's brother Edward so so when she was staying with him which she did relatively often they they would often meet at like dinner parties yeah um and um she, she, she mentions her a couple of times never says anything terribly interesting about her in, in the letters that we have but yeah i mean she she did know her so these these are not the 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 whole the whole kind of suppose, structure of slavery was so close i mean jane's dad had a friend one of her her eldest brother's godfather who i property in the Caribbean her, uh, her the auntie the bath auntie that she doesn't like the one who gets arrested oh, for shoplifting know, Lee Parrott, she yeah. was a um, she was a Western Indian heiress as well
0: if you have to have like one thing you think people today reading Mansfield Park should go into the book with what what would that be if you were mm. trying to recommend it to someone you know when you watch a film you're like oh you're gonna love this bit
1: or mm. you know, oh oh gosh that's a hard
0: thing to do so I'll go first. My okay. thing. Yeah. Henry Crawford, better than Edmund. On the brink of being redeemed. The least bad of the bad lads. Not my favorite, that's John Thorpe. But you know, <laughs> so I would just be like, don't hate Henry. Don't hate off-hand. Henry. I don't I, he's not a nice guy all the time. <laughs> but he oh, I mean come on, he do, he plays fast and loose. With he does,
1: eye, he does he does. Play, he plays plays fast and loose with all of them because he like he's like well, I mean, if we want to be like really sympathetic towards Henry, we could say like his mother's dead, his auntie didn't love him, and now and he's he's desperately seeking some kind of like female reassurance in life, um, and he wants to find like he wants Fanny to be like the, the good woman that he mm-hmm. doesn't think exists, um, because he's been brought up by this horribly misogynistic like sexist dinosaur of an uncle, um, who clearly does not like women, um, and he's you know he's 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 found he's found someone. Who he wants to put on a pedestal. He starts off just wanting to kind of like, you know, he wants to make her fall in love with him because you know it's what he wants all women to do, and he kind of despises them when they do. Yeah. But you know, he finds himself falling in love with her, and he like I think I, I think that is genuine, but he can't resist like he just can't. He can't resist getting his leg over. Or yeah. <laughs> he's not even getting his leg over. It's reasserting his emotional power over Mariah Bertram because you know, she's got married to someone else she's but like he can still have her screw you and she's like no I'm gonna yeah. I, he can't he he wants he wants to kind of force women to say that they love him and
2: you know yeah, you are you easy.
1: are kind of given the, the the textual space to understand why he might be doing that um, I mean, Austin is, you know, this we were talking earlier on about this this idea that Austin is this very kind of, like, you know, teapotty, feminine um, kind of a writer. And she's actually, well, you know, she had, like, six brothers. She was brought up in a boys' school. She's actually, I think, quite understanding of men. Like, she does, she can get where they're coming from.
0: Yeah, she certainly has insight. Yeah. They're like, that. They're, I mean, some of them are, uh, Lauren, I think, very rightly so calls darcy an empty vessel
1: yes <laughs> in yes. a lot of ways he's a like it's a it, like yeah I, I i talk about it in the book as being like a like it's it's fairy tale it's yeah. a very it's all quite kind
0: of but you when know, you look he's, at he's a fantasy she doesn't have an archetype she doesn't write one man she no. writes many men very broad even within one book you'll have multiple people yeah. Persuasion's this is, this a great is the, example um, when you look at how yeah, many and there's there
1: a, are um there's quite an early um critic Oh, I'm not going to be able to remember, remember who it is now, but who says? Oh well, you know, she writes like half a dozen clergyman characters who are all young, who are all kind of looking around them to get married, and they're all completely different. Yeah, and that you know, he's like that's actually kind of a really impressive. It's amazing. Like it's
0: yeah, it's, it's incredible. They're so distinct. They're yeah. so distinct. Yeah. Okay. Final question. I'm not going
1: to make force. So uh, what, what would you recommend someone think when they read Mansfield Park? Nonsense. <laughs> do you well, think? I think like uh, with all us in all, I think they should go into it with a kind of more open mind. It's it's difficult. It's difficult to do. It is difficult to do. But you know, it, there's a she's a much more interesting and and nuanced and political and sexy and exciting writer than I think the the naysayers think. And I can see why they think that. But like push that to one side and like actually look at look
2: at what's there and we are back now there are um, a million things in that interview I actually want to discuss with you one point being sorry I don't want to throw you but the Fanny and um, Mary being like mirror images of each other that was like one of my favorite notes from this interview who said that? Helena
0: Oh, damn! I was like, was it me? I sat here like, when panting, like, did I say something insightful? Oh. It was a good discussion.
2: I liked it. Good. I laughed a lot. Um, I have a lot to say about it, but we really can't get into this now, because not only are we running over on time, but we have got to jump in the car right this very second so we can go down to the Jane Austen Festival in Louisville, Kentucky.
0: I'm so excited! All I'm going to see the cicada, a cicada again.
2: Really excited for the bugs. Okay, yeah. Hannah's really excited for the bugs, so that's good. That's good. Um, I'm really excited for our event oh, on yeah, Friday, well. our pub quiz. Guys, there is a Jane Austen trophy that we have been making.
0: <laughs> so many, so many layers of spray paint. I'm a graph oh artist God. now. Yes, Lauren is like...
2: You know about this. It's like
0: spray painting.
2: (laughs) We got this. Because I have more than one tattoo. Yeah. 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 So, um, yeah. Very excited about that. Very excited about our pub quiz in Chicago on the 20th. And also very excited about our event at Page One Bookstore in Evanston on the 27th. Um, We will have a lot more information about those events on our social media. Hannah, what is that social media? Do you, you know? can
0: find us, as always, on Instagram and Twitter at bonnets at dawn. You mm-hmm. can email us, bonnets at dawn at gmail.com, and you can find us on Facebook by searching bonnets at dawn and answering just a couple of quick questions, you know, date of birth, pin number, home address, mother's maiden name, mm-hmm. and then we'll let you in. Easy stuff.
2: Um, and if you guys are still behind on the Mansfield Park read along, do not worry, do not despair. Just join the Facebook group, jump in, whichever thread, you know, works for you. We're still going until the end of July. It's not over. I just want to assure you. one of
0: us sings. Or right. both of
2: us. That would be really terrible for our listeners, wouldn't it? <laughs> <laughs> um, one more thing I have to say, as we're closing out, as the music has started, John, thank you for in- putting that in there. <laughs> Um, thank you to everyone who has reached out to us regarding Regency uh, attire. My God, you guys, great, knowledgeable. Thank you especially to Maddie's and um, a stitch in time tailoring. You can find those guys on Twitter and Instagram. Check out their stuff. Looks good. Thanks, guys. Bye. Bye.